Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Welcome back to Lighthouse Conversations. To further develop our discussion from last week's episode, I have in the studio with me again, Pastor Osbert Joseph. Pastor Joseph is the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church here in Ottos, Antigua. Pastor, welcome back and thank you for returning. Good morning, Nathan, and good morning, of course, to all our listeners. As usual, I'm super excited to be um, in the studio and for us to have this opportunity to continue to build further on this very interesting topic that um, we discussed last time um, in this atmosphere in which we are currently living, in which we have COVID as a major global um, pandemic. And our effort first time really was to try to see COVID in the context of the Bible so as to help to give comfort and guidance to persons out there um, who are very, very concerned and are looking for source from which they can be accurately informed as to how to respond. So I'm super excited. Now, last week you discussed a little bit about conspiracy theories and the Bible, and you touched briefly on the concept of the Antichrist. And I'd like you to develop that further using Scripture, what we know about the Antichrist. And my question to start things off would be, does the Bible tell us how the Antichrist is going to rise, Pastor, and what that time period will be like? Excellent, um, Nathan. Uh, Last time, indeed, uh, we didn't have a chance to look at the specific areas of Scripture that speaks to us about the rise of the Antichrist. We mentioned them in passing, and um, today I want to look at the Scriptures in particular so that the audience may be able to follow and see, of course, that what we say is according to what God has told us in His Word. So um, what I'd want to do in answering that question is for us to look first at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the portion of the scripture that speaks very clearly about the rise of this beast in the end time is between verses 1 and 12. And let me just read a small portion of it um, 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 for the purpose of getting this conversation going. Paul says here, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. And what he was doing here, um, Brother Nathan, is he was really trying to counter arguments, conspiracy theories that abounded even in those early days, as we look back about 2,000 years prior, that the coming of Christ um, had passed, and those people who were Christians and who had, who had died, and those who were alive and they were Christians, they have missed it all. And again, the Bible says that the Bible is the pillar and the ground 
of the truth. And so Paul had occasion then to write to the church and to put in order how the world will end and how the Antichrist um, would rise. So he says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except and the day of the Lord's return, the final, the day of God's final judgment, except they come a falling away first. That's verse 3. And then he says, That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I'm going to stop at verse 4 and then um, provide some explanation. Who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, or that he as God, seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When the Antichrist rises, um, Brother Nathan, there are two things that's, that's going to be characteristic of, of his reign. Deception and apostasy. And Jesus warned very, very sternly against the church being deceived at the time of the end. When the disciples asked him, Matthew 24, what's going to be the sign of your coming? He said, take heed. That's Matthew um, 24, verse 4, that no man deceive you. The way Satan was able to plunge the world into sin was by deceiving our first parents concerning the word of God. And he's going to use that very same strategy in the time of the end. The other leg of a strategy is going to be that of apostasy. And we're going to get a chance to develop that a little bit more so that the audience may understand better. As you mentioned deception, and I don't mean to steer you away from your notes there, but do you think it's possible that in the day and age we live that the Antichrist could use means such as social media to further deception? Absolutely. And in fact, we um, dealt with that um, last time in that, you know, we're, we're glued to our devices these days. The primary source by which we inform ourselves today is, for most of us, through our cell phones. And the danger, again, is that we might tend to hold on to what we see there on the phone as gospel. We're not testing. The Bible says that we should test or try every spirit. So everything that we hear, we need to bring it to the standard of the word of God to see whether or not it can stand. This is exactly what Paul is doing here in the early Thessalonian church when he said to them, listen, we didn't tell you that. What you heard didn't come from the spirit of God and therefore it's not truth. So don't be worried by it. But it's important at the same time, Brother Nathan, that we seek to understand what is truth because we have to make critical decisions thereby. All right? So you mentioned that he'll have deception as one of his pillars and also a falling away or apostasy. Uh, can you further develop those for us? Wonderful. Now, where deception is, is concerned, deception essentially is to get us to believe something that's a lie as though it were the truth. So if you go back, for example, to Genesis where the serpent approached um, Eve and asked, should you eat from that tree? And she said, oh, um, the Lord said that we may not eat from that tree and then because if we did, we're going to die. The enemy says, you shall not surely die. And through a process of seduction, of course, he got her to disobey the word of God because he led her along a path of, of deception. And she succeeded also in, 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 in getting Adam, whom the Bible says he was not deceived, to follow her in disobeying, in, in, in disobeying, disobeying God. All right, so um, the other leg, as I said, is apostasy. And, and, and what's, what's apostasy? Apostasy, um, according to the Apostle Paul here, 
um, in the is a letter to the Thessalonians. He said that they should not come except there be a falling away first. What's the falling away? That is what we commonly refer to as apostasy within Christian circles. What is that? That is the enemy again by deception compromising the church. And, and let, let me read for you something that you know um, I wrote as I, as, I, as I studied this passage so that I'm going to make it clear for you and for the audience. The church today is an environment of entertainment not convictions. If you observe carefully, you would soon realize that persons are less concerned about truth, but more obsessed with what makes them feel good. So progressively, the church is more concerned about feeling than it's about faith. If you if you study the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you see that there were a number of persons who gave up all of their material comforts, and they lived and died on the basis of what their convictions were. Today, persons tend to forget that God, persons tend to forget that God's love for righteousness is evenly balanced by his hatred for unrighteousness. Go back to the scripture again and see that as much as God loved Israel, he destroyed those who rebelled against him. And, and I'm, I'm alluding there to a text from Jude, book of Jude, chapter 1. Verse 5, which says that after God brought the people from Egypt, he destroyed those who didn't believe in them. Those, of course, who followed after their own um, self-gratification than to believe and by faith embrace the word of God. So one of the things that we need to understand today as we wrestle in this environment of, of COVID-19 and what it's doing to the globe as, as, as a whole is that we have to seek to understand how do we contextualize its implications for us going forward. One of the things that concerns me a lot, Brother Nathan, is that I think the church is not responding with the seriousness that it should to COVID-19 in the context of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we allow ourselves to become as much victims as the world is to conspiracy theories rather than for us to be grounded in the word of God so that not only we would seek to, to, to find safety of ourselves, but we'd seek to communicate rightly to persons in terms of what um, the end times will look like. Do you think this falling away has started yet? Um, certainly. And uh, there, there, there are three observations that I've made to kind of put it into context. The church today is certainly nothing like the church in Paul's day, in the day when the apostles lived and died for the gospel. And so we see that um, the Bible tells that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The truth of the word of God is the convictions that persons live by. Those convictions are what's going to be challenged by the Antichrist in the end times. And this is how he's going to be able to infiltrate and take over the environment of the church. Let me show you what I, what I mean here. So, for example, I say when homosexuals are just as accepted in the church as they are in the world, then there is no difference between the church and the world. What that tells us is the enemy has managed to compromise the church and to allow it to look away from sacred truths and to embrace that which is comfortable um, for them in the way that they want to live. Let, me, second, let me follow up on that. Sure. So are you saying that we shouldn't let homosexuals visit our church. No, no, no. They, they, they ought to. You see, the homosexual. Everybody needs to be under 
the umbrella of the gospel, irrespective of who you are. The Bible says to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse um, 20, that there is not a just man upon the face of the earth who doeth good and sinneth not. So all persons are sinners. And Jesus Christ came into the world that he might save sinners. So we must reach out to the homosexuals as much as we reach out to anybody else. Um, in, in, in the world and so sh we should be willing to accept them and invite them to church that they may hear the gospel and be saved but we must not be accepting of the lifestyle okay. and under an antichrist type government in fact I mean when you look at the church today we know that I mean we have we have seen pastors who are dating as homosexuals and as leaders in the church we see them um, on the instruments we see them in the choir we see them in every area and arena of leadership in the church. That's what the picture of compromise looks like. So when Paul says there must come a falling away first, this is the picture that he was joined to us or joined to the Thessalonian church and hence to us in the text that we are looking at here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Good question, Nathan. So you were explaining three points as to why you believe the falling away or the apostasy has started. And the first was when homosexuals are just as accepted in the church as they are in the world, there is no difference between the church and the world. What's the second? The second one um, is music. When you look at the uh, worship services in churches today, um, oftentimes you can't tell whether we are worshiping are we being entertained? The music in the church doesn't seem to be any different to the music that you find out there in the world. And, and again, this is a very dangerous precedence that we are allowing to infiltrate and take over the conduct of worship in the church. I mean, worship sessions, uh, these days they look more like rock concerts or some carnival party type atmosphere and therefore it puts the church on a very dangerous spot where you know we, we, we are going to church for what makes us feel good than what pleases God. There's a third area. The other area of course is in terms of in terms of dress. You know, there was a time of course when, you know, people uh were very moved in terms of how they appeared when they when they came to church. Um these days of course, you know, the conduct in terms of how we dress is Essentially, no different to how we dress for any secular, any secular event. And I'm telling the truth. Sometimes, the pastor preaching on the pulpit on a Sunday morning or whenever it is, I'm before the congregation. Not necessarily my congregation, but I've been in places where I'm telling you it's very, very difficult to keep a very straight face and to concentrate on the Word of God when you see what's sitting uh, uh, before you. And so, the whole, the whole idea is that the, the the enemy already is bringing the church to a place where it's losing its focus as to what its primary mission in the world is. And that is to keep present an atmosphere of holiness and the awesomeness of who God is before the people who come to worship. Now, Pastor, you touched on dress code or mm -hmm. what people are wearing to church. And for the listener who says, oh, you just crossed the line, you just became legalistic, how would you respond to that? You see... The Bible says that we should put... This is in the book of Ezekiel. Um, I didn't, again, you know, look at that text this morning, but I, I, I know that very well. He says, put a difference between the holy and the profane. And um, one of the things that 
we know um, becomes, you know, you see, imagery is very powerful. And let, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. I like to use the scripture in my, my illustrations. David one day um, rose up from his bed and went to the top of his roof and looked over and he saw a woman who was naked bathing herself and that just simply excited him. And in spite of numerous warnings, David compromised the word of God and fell into very deep sin and ended up doing great damage, not just to his own testimony, but a child died and many valiant soldiers died in the process of him trying to cover that sin up. What am I saying? If you take look at the parallels today, an atmosphere where, of course, there's a whole lot of emphasis on, on, on the exposure uh, of the flesh, then, you know, persons are not going to sit down with their minds meditating on God and Him being holy and the whole idea of that, you know, I'm here to worship God. Your mind is going to be led away into something that compromises you, and that is where the great danger is. What advice do you have for pastors to make sure that they don't head down that path? That's that's a really good question again, Nathan. Um, I think that COVID has given us a tremendous opportunity to revisit um, passages like Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and the book of Revelation and a host of Old Testament passages that deals with the, the second coming so that we might begin to somehow stir the fear of God in the hearts and minds of persons, especially Christians. You know, because, you know, when we're in an atmosphere when, you know, all's calm and, you know, there is nothing to worry about, then we tend to slip back into the old life. And here's, the, here's where pastors need them to rise up and realize that as under-shepherds of the flock, you need without compromise with deep conviction and passion to draw people's minds back to the word of God and to who God himself is and to show that as God dealt severely with Israel in the past in the same way he will deal very severely with with the church so again I'm thinking that you know this is a time when the opportunities before us as pastors really to get into deep teaching that we might get our people once more to walk in great fear of God and to have a good influence on the world as we approach it. What advice do you have for the listener who says, I'm looking for a church? What should they be looking for? What you want in a, in a good church is a church that preaches and teaches the Word of God without compromise. A church, for me, um, my style, for example, in, in preaching and teaching the church is I tend to just hold the Bible. Because, as I said to you earlier on, the Bible says that of itself that it's the pillar and ground of the truth. What people want is truth, and they want truth that is unvarnished. I have a way, for example, that I like to study and teach through books. Why? Because you 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 tend to get the the the, the whole mind of God as you study um, His Word in 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 that fashion. And so, if you're out there looking for church that is going to help you to appreciate and understand the Word of God so that you might regulate your life thereby. You really want to find somebody whose creed is the Bible and the Bible alone. You want to hear from nobody else but God through His Word. 
You're listening to Lighthouse Conversations, and this is part two of a discussion that we started last week with Pastor Osbert Joseph, the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church here in Antigua. Pastor, can you remind us where your church is located? My church is over at Rose and Princess Streets um, in Otters. Uh, operating hours uh, on Sundays from 9.30 until about midday, midday 30. And we come back at, at 7 o'clock in the evening on Wednesdays um, at um, 7 o'clock. Did I say Sundays at 7? No, we're Sundays at 6 o'clock in the evening. We're 9.30 in the morning, 6 in the evening. And uh, Wednesdays, we're there um, on, at, at 7. Obviously, we have been out for this whole long season of, of COVID. Um, we didn't go back last week when the government said that we could. Uh, we we um, are still thinking in terms of whether we're going to be there this 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 Sunday, you know, we're kind of watching the environment to make sure, of course, that you know it's safe enough for persons to to go back without exposing them to um, undue undue harm. Last week, Pastor Joseph began to discuss uh, COVID nineteen conspiracy theories, deception, how our enemy, how Satan is using deception to. Uh, deceive even some in the church uh, and to have them focus their energy and their time and their concerns where they don't need to be focused. This week, Pastor is developing specifically the rise of the Antichrist, uh, what the Bible tells us about when the Antichrist will rise and what that time period will be like. And early on, he mentioned deception and apostasy as the two pillars that describe that time period. Pastor, is Satan always going to attack us from outside, or are there times that he tries to use uh, deception from within to destroy us? The enemy, um, Brother Nathan, has two strategies primarily, and that is the attack from within and the attack from without. When he attacks within, he, he seeks to get the person that he targets to cooperate willingly with him, such as, for example, what he did um, to Eve. When he attacks from the outside, he normally comes um, with force because if you won't willingly yield, then he's going to seek somehow to get you to yield. And I'm glad you asked that question because I can, I can give a wonderful illustration. I think this comes from Acts 6. Um, with, with Stephen and the early apostles when they had an issue in the church where, you know, um, the church was suffering, especially women who were abandoned by their husbands because they became Christians. And the church had to take on feeding um, of, of those persons. Well, what happened? The Jewish woman, because, of course, in the Jewish environment, the Jewish church, they were looking for the Jewish converts first. And so the Gentile persons begin to complain. Now, look at that. That's, that's an example of an inner struggle. Then, how did the apostles respond? They responded by, by finding persons who were saved and um, who would not compromise the word of God and they appointed elders to oversee that business. And so, of course, that problem was solved. But then what happened? As the disciples now continued to preach the word, then persecution rose against them now from the Outside, For example, you had the government telling that, that they are not supposed to go preach the gospel. And Peter rose and said, no, 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 no. That's not for you to decide. 
We have to do what the Lord has told us to do. And you know how many times, of course, the apostles were beaten and they were um, in, 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 in prison and their lives were in jeopardy constantly. So this is the approach. But let me go back quickly, Nathan, to verse 3 concerning the Antichrist and, and when he rises of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And the falling away we have described as the apostasy, the compromises that the church will embrace. And here's, a, here's a, the, the, the other important part. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That man of sin right there is the Antichrist. And notice the Bible says, he'll be revealed. But revealed when? One, after the church is sufficiently compromised. And also, after the church has been removed from the world. Let, let me again, let me illustrate this way. Look at, um, go back to a story that we find way up in Genesis when God decided, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so disgusted with the conduct of man. They're so wicked. I'm going to destroy this earth. And he said, you know, no, you only have I found righteous. Build an ark to save yourself and your family. So when the time came, what did God do? God secured Noah, his whole family, and those he intended to preserve in the earth, in the ark, so that they'll be removed when he began to pour his wrath out by the rains on the earth. We're going to have a similar picture in the end. Before God pours out his judgment on the kingdom of the Antichrist, he's going to rapture the church from the earth to give them shelter, just as he did to Noah and his children back in their day. And this is one of the things I think that, you know, um, we need to understand as a church and people of God. Very, very critical. The next event we're looking for on God's calendar of prophetic events is the rapture of the church and this can happen at any time. In fact, we call it the imminent return of Christ. And this is why it is so important and so urgent in this atmosphere where COVID has arrested the attention of the entire globe that as a church we become more serious, we stand up and realize that at any moment God could call us home and he could begin in earnest to bring his judgment by causing first the Antichrist to rise up. In an atmosphere when the church is not there anymore, the Holy Spirit is not there anymore to restrain him and to speak forth about his, 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 his conduct as you know it pertains to the word of God. And we need to understand that we're in very, very serious times. We're really on the very edge of time. And we have to rise up and begin to sound a clarion call that people may fear take heed and be saved so that they can be safe. In the last 60 seconds, Pastor, I want to tie us back to something we started the program with last episode, and that was the conspiracy theory that some are putting out there that Bill Gates is the Antichrist. Can you share some thoughts about that from Scripture? Do you believe Bill Gates is the Antichrist? Wonderful. We said last time, absolutely not. Again, if you go back to the same verse in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, it says that the man of sin shall be revealed after the falling away. And so, 
Nobody knows who the Antichrist is until God comes first and takes the church out of the world. Look at verse 7, for example. The Bible says here, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. And we believe that this is speaking to the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the church today. When the church is gone, the ministry of the Spirit to the church is also gone. And that is the environment and atmosphere then in which the Antichrist rises. And as believers, we need to understand this truth. And we need to use this word to bring us to action that we might go out there and proclaim the gospel as Jesus wants us to, that we may rescue the greatest number before the wrath of God falls on the earth. Thank you very much for your very clear teaching. Thank you for taking time to come into the studio, Pastor. Thank you very much, Brother Nathan. It's my absolute pleasure. And I hope, of course, that, you know, I mean, we at least have stirred the pot and we're getting people to understand that the times in which we live are indeed critical. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest? you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations, we would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthousebimi at gmail.com. Or give us a call at area code 268 Four six two one four five four, or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code two six eight seven eight two one four five four. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations. Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM. Or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.